0: Welcome to the Televerse, the just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. You're also Kate to like to debate the merits of all that they've seen: comedy, genre reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse. Let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsic, Jones as ever, by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel has gone this week.
1: I am, well, it's kind of a weird situation that I can describe this in, is I am significantly better now than I was on Monday when we recorded our final segment for this week's podcast.
0: (laughs) Which is yay, because you were not seeming like things were good on Monday.
1: No, no. um, I've been getting over, like, a really bad summer cold that my person, I um, traded. She was really sick last week. Um so I got sick at the end of the weekend and so I've been sick for most of this week and now it's basically just mostly all in my chest so I've got like a really bad chest cold now. Um which is fun in the middle of summer in a massive heat wave in Tacoma it's deeply deeply unpleasant. But it's better than being like full on woozy sick which is what I was for a good chunk of uh, this week. Um so but i'm recovering how are you like you had comic-con yeah So what are you doing to recover from comic-con because that's always a big experience Uh,
0: going immediately to a massive family reunion with like 70 to 80 of my relatives uh oh well
1: yeah no that's totally what you want to do i'm sure that the um that the floor is like really like packed at your family reunion you probably can't even buy anything from the vendor's
0: yeah, we're we're out on the the co- this little island off of in the middle of nowhere off of North Carolina. So, there's terrible Wi-Fi um in the house that we're staying at. And normally, it would be like awesome, a great chance to unplug. That is not helpful when you're trying to watch TV via like apps and stuff. So, listeners, once again, I've seen like almost nothing. I was able to watch half-hour things um, but like when I, I, have, I still have to finish my bake off review for baking show review, I should say, for this week. And until I camped out at a, a relative's house to, to finish watching it, um, I was watching about five seconds at a time before it would freeze and I would have to reload. So it's not it's not very helpful to watch watch shows that way. <laughs> but it has been lovely to spend time with the family and and visit and, you know, not be teaching for 12 hours. Two days a week, um, as well as other hours, other days. But I was like, "Wow, if you aren't teaching for the entire day, you can get a lot done." That's, that's like, <laughs> that's amazing. You know, if you don't have this like job. Like I was just practicing for fun. I was taking a stroll along the beach. I was going to the store just to you know putter around. It was very nice. Very, very nice, very relaxing, good to, good to visit with everyone, so it's been a lovely uh, extended vacation, just, you know, I'm super behind on my viewing, but uh, you, knowing me, I'll be all caught up, like, creepily so by next week, so there's that.
1: Yeah, no, it'll be deeply, deeply disturbing by when I check the rundown on Tuesday, and you're like, I've watched everything for the week already, and I will be like, that is not possible, and <laughs> it's yet not it is so...
0: Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, this week in our TV news, uh, we—I've been out of the loop, as people would expect. But I did see that Cloak and Dagger got renewed for the next season, so that's that's interesting. And certainly, I'm behind on it, but you're caught up. You can let me know what that what you think about that for when we get to that part of our weekend TV. Um, and there's a big expose by Ronan Farrow that is poised to drop soon in the New Yorker. Um, so you, we'll see. What happens with that? <laughs> um, any thoughts?
1: I mean, it's it'll be really compelling and interesting to see what, what Pharaoh and his fellow reporters have unearthed about Les Moonves over at CBS. Um, news of the expose resulted in CBS's stock uh, falling a little bit. Um, the other thing, of course, is that this will probably play... Poorly for Moonves on any number of fronts, including, like, losing his job at CBS, potentially. I think CBS has already started an internal investigation ahead of the expose dropping, but also, like, in the ongoing struggle of the Redstone um, inheritance and who controls uh, American Amusements or whatever the Redstone company is called uh, when Sumner finally dies um Moonvez was like a major player in that saga and this will probably hurt him significantly in that regard as well um so the business politics of this will be interesting but then there's just the entirety of a system of abuse and harassment um that was going on in CBS that he was aware of and participated in as well, based on what has been trickling out so far. So not great for any number of levels, but good on Pharaoh and his team for going forward and continuing this kind of uh, work.
0: Yeah. I was reminded, um, of course, Mo Ryan tweeted about, uh, you know, a little reminder refresher about the different uh, harassment scandals with Brad Kern over at CBS and how that, wasn't enough to get Uh him fired um so this would sort of clarify that a little bit more on why that was not a deal breaker um so we'll see but i like you said it's Mm -hmm. very disheartening but it's also we we know this stuff is going on so yes it's great that it's being brought to light and that people are having the opportunity to share their experiences and to be heard and hopefully you know, we can continue to read out the systemic causes and reinforcements of this kind of just destructive, abusive behavior. And, uh yeah, you know, all the power to the reporters and to the survivors who came forward with their story, who felt able to. Um, Yeah, so I... You know, again, I, I'm all for continued reporting and opportunities for people to to share their experiences on this stuff and hopefully continue to keep this as a vital part of our cultural conversation. Because as soon as we stop, <laughs> you know, as soon as we feel like we solved harassment, guys, it's just going to, you know, re-entrench. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good that uh it's good that this stuff is still being reported and that there's still a um audience that fatigue hasn't set in in such a way that people are not interested in big stories like this so i will be reading i'm sure you will know as well and our listeners and if we will have more thoughts on this after you know we've read whatever is coming out of the new yorker and if there's more to, to say, we certainly will have thoughts on that next week. Uh, this week at the end of the podcast, we're talking about Comic-Con 2018 with my sister joining us as well. That was a lovely conversation.
1: It was. I'm always glad when Maggie's able to stop by.
0: Yeah, it's good times. Um, so, so that's at the end of the show. We have a nice solid hour talking about the highs and lows of our Comic-Con experience. And, uh, you know, a lot of TV talk... A lot of TV panels over there, so in that segment. But we should get into our Weekend TV, so we will take a break, listen to a little music, and come back with our Weekend TV. Up in our weekend TV, we have the Winona Earp premiere, Blood Red and Going Down, so now we can actually talk about it. um Then, Noel, you're going to check in with Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, Backbreaker. I'm still behind, but I look forward to hearing what's going on and hopefully a follow up on the whole fridging. Then, Noel, you'll have a few thoughts on Elementary, Meet Your Maker. I will also have thoughts on DuckTales, the other bin of Scrooge McDuck. And as well as Drunk History Halloween, uh, then, uh, yeah, we're going to have, I'm sure, many things to say about Paid Off with Michael Torpy, which is a game show on True um that, that debuted. And also we'll, we will round things out with the most dramatic of Great British Baking Show episodes, Puddings, um, from this current season five airing on PBS. And, of course, it was series three over in the UK back in 2012. So Puddings... And as your note says here, and strudel <laughs> at the end of our week in TV. So first up is on Earp, which had its premiere, uh, Blood Redding going down. And now you understand what I mean when I say sexy fog.
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, it needed a little bit more, like, blue lighting so that we could get a really strong, like, bisexual lighting vibe happening. Mm-hmm. Um But, yeah, no, it was very sexy fog, but also you were very much correct in that the episode sort of weirdly muted. Um... I kind of like that vampires are kind of a bunch of wimps. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a nice sort of inversion of how we think about vampires, but at the same time, it made for not particularly compelling television. And as fun as it was to see people sort of be under a glamour and kind of acting in sort of odd ways, it's also, we've seen them do this kind of act before where they're possessed and doing something that maybe not necessarily that they want to do, but it's humorous all the same. So it was a fine premiere, but um, I think it mostly just was supposed to be sort of a soft reintroduction of the show and get us revved up for Balshir, Balshir, Balshir. Sure, yeah. And, I'm the not revel- sure. <laughs> and the revelation that Nicole has a connection to the cult, um, which I think is probably the most interesting thing out of this premiere. Um, but you had gotten an opportunity to see this, and you sort of like primed me to. Lower expectations, which I appreciated. So how did you feel about this now that we can talk a little bit more about it?
0: Yeah, you see what I mean about like the exposition? It was really exposition-heavy. I guess they want to make sure that it's um, accessible to people who might have been hearing, especially with such an engaged fan base. There's been a lot, at least... In my corner, in my bubble of social media, there's been a lot of chatter about the return of One owner Earp. So maybe they just wanted to make sure it was super accessible to new new viewers who might have like heard all the buzz and wanted to check it out. But for me, that really hampered the the pace. And it also there were just. Like I you know I appreciate a sexy training sequence as much as the next Buffy fan. You know, like I I I am there for this. But it felt unnecessarily, like, panderingly so. Um is some some of these scenes like the training sequence with Winona and Doc, um what we were getting with with uh Waverly and Nicole. Uh I just thought there were just a few too many overly fan y kind of moments for me. I feel like they did a better job of hitting those beats or being aware of, of, of that in the previous season, and this just kind of tips it over the edge. So I'm hoping that they, now they will, like, it's sort of like a, thanks for getting us renewed, and then now they'll back off. But I was surprised that it left a bit of a, a sour taste in my mouth.
1: Yeah, I'm not willing to like go like sour, sour taste, but it was definitely it definitely wasn't what I was expecting. Um, coming back from that finale, that we would do something kind of generally this light, almost and mm-hmm. almost like borderline not s- silly. I think is actually kind of fair. Yeah, um, sort of an episode. Um, though I did enjoy the opening. I enjoyed like the team sort of working together um, and doing all of that. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it, yeah, I think, I think your framing of it as sort of a thank you is really good. I like that. It feels very much sort of like a, this is the kind of fun stuff that we can do. And now we're gonna take a little break, and we're gonna come back. It felt more like a preface than like a first episode, almost.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I do, though, I did really enjoy the opening. deadly. <laughs> yeah. It's about damn time we got some vampires. <laughs> Um, and, and that level of self-awareness that just felt so very on Earp. It felt just the right touch and level and, and the humor I thought was really on point. But like you said, we've seen this sort of, um, possessed, you know, main crew I- idea before. And based on a moment in the trailer for the season, I have a feeling we're going to get at least one more episode like that. Where everybody's either, you know, magic roofied or glamored or something. Because we get that shot of the guy looking the potato, which seems very strange. So I just hope that that they're not going back to the same well too too quickly. But they've earned enough of my trust with the you know the pr- first two seasons and with the parts of this premiere that are that do work. That I'm certainly on board. But yeah, it's a step back. So hopefully they'll kick back into gear with our second episode which we'll talk about next week um but right now let's talk well you're going to talk about cloak and dagger backbreaker so um did they follow up on the fridging
1: and also side note was there a strong audience reaction that you were seeing online I still didn't look for the audience reaction, um, since I got really sick and was focused on either getting better or getting through my work day. Uh, so I never, I was focused on sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was, I was really focused on that and making sure I was still watching stuff. Um, they do sort of follow up on one of the things, if I ever have an opportunity to talk to someone about this show that works on this show is that I kind of want to ask them about their use of framing devices. Um, since this episode is framed as a lecture from Father Delgado, um, talking about hero's journey type stuff, and very specifically, like, the hero's regression of, like, something traumatic has happened, but now they're falling back into old habits in an effort to avoid the call. And so, like they've done before, like, when, um, um, Avita's aunt, uh, was sort of discussing the history of the chosen divine two that always appear when there's a crisis that this is another type of framing device and the show's done this a couple of other times in addition to that so it's a little heavy handed in that we're seeing tandy fall into a number of bad um, habits again in light of um, blackmailing the roxon ceo and She's starting to con people, but she's also stealing people's hopes, which is a really interesting sort of inversion of, because typically Tyrone is the one that needs to like feed in a way to satiate like the darkness, but Tandy's feeding, taking people's hopes away when she touches them and like is getting sort of like high off of that. So there's this really interesting inversion of how these two characters normally operate in the comics. And I find that really interesting as a choice, and so I'm enjoying that, but we're seeing Tandy fall into bad habits again, and while Tyrone is dealing with the fact that her his parents aren't responding to the fact that um, Fuchs has been—Fuchs? Um, Hang on, let me make sure it's Fuchs. Yeah, not Fuchs. Fuchs is the cop that got killed, that Connors um, is— Arrested and everything and suspended um, but his parents aren't responding to that at all they just see this as another ploy by the uh, New Orleans Police Department to delay g- giving them the justice that they've just sort of kind of moved on from and Tyrone's dealing with the fact that they don't seem to care that he sort of orchestrated this um, and meanwhile O'Reilly is just getting drunk at a bar for basically the entire episode to deal with Fuchs and Fuchs, um, sorry, not Fuchs. Connors actually ends up beating her up in the bar while the other cops watch. After she attacks him, and she, he, she's beaten pretty badly as well. Um, so it's very much a low point, penultimate episode for everyone, um, and leading right into the finale, which is next week. Uh, so it's it's a good episode, if a little heavy handed because of the the lecture that frames everything, but. It feels like a really solid enough setup for the finale, which I'm very eager to see, especially because we're going to get um, the—especially because we're getting a second season. Uh, The only other thing I will mention, and this was probably maybe the coolest thing, is that Tandy actually goes into Evita's head to see what her hope is, and Tandy goes to steal her hope, and Evita, inside the hope vision, responds and forces Tandy out. Yeah, it was very cool. And so (laughs) I'm very excited about what that means for, like, the finale, but also what this means for, like, the show's mythology going forward. Because I was a little worried about where Vita was going to fit in the show going forward. But her presence and her awareness of how they operate and her acknowledgement of the fact that Tandy is likely the other chosen and her disgust at that is really compelling and exciting. And I'm very eager to see how that's going to play out um as the show continues
0: yeah that's interesting yeah I, I will be all caught up for our finale the finale next week and for our finale discussion next week but that is very intriguing i do, i still don't care about any of the cops Of when i've actually seen it that will likely you know change but even just like hearing about it i'm like mm, still don't care but i am like super intrigued by this uh development with uh the hope like vision thing so Ooh, more on that next week. Um, let's move on to our next episode. And that's Elementary. Meet Meet Your Maker. I believe I'm now two episodes behind on this one, and which means I'm like 15 awesome, fabulous ensembles behind. But uh, what's what's going on in Elementary right now, Noel?
1: All right. So Meet Your Maker is a a really good episode of Elementary. I think in part because it does what Elementary does best, which is kind of cobble together a bunch of different popular news concepts and puts them into one episode. So we've got DIY makers uh, that um, get kidnapped, not murdered, apparently, which is n- which is a departure for the show. But we also never see these two people, which the show has done before um, with people who have been kidnapped. We just never see them throughout the course of the episode, which was a little frustrating. But then, like, the makers get sort of connected to, like, um, incel chat rooms. So that's... Um, that's those folks on um, who complain about involuntary celibacy because th- they're not having sex and that it's women's it's a feminist socialist agenda that they're not having sex and that kind of a thing gets incorporated into the narrative a little bit. Um, that's really interesting. And so there's a number of like really good things attached to the case that Really, kind of should feel a little bit like too disjointed, but because Elementary is in its sixth season, that they know really know what they're doing. It all sort of flows really nicely, and it's probably the most fun I've had watching a case unfold uh, and paid like a, a massive amount of attention to um, in a little while. Uh, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But then the other main reason I wanted to discuss this episode is that it's another Sherlock metals and Marcus's life episode. <laughs> Which are always really enjoyable because Marcus doesn't like it when Sherlock meddles in his life. Um, what happens here is that Sherlock has uh, re- referred Marcus to the U.S. Marshals, Marshals Service as basically a potential... Uh, potential recruit. Now, as the episode makes very clear, the the, the marshals do not recruit. They s- sort of accept applications, and the application process is pretty strenuous to become a U.S. Marshal. And so, the fact that they were rec- that they showed up at the precinct to talk to Marcus and express interest was sort of a flag. And then Sherlock explains why, which is basically the fact that the captain's going to retire at some point. And then a new captain may come in, and Marcus isn't going to maybe have access to the top-tier sort of crimes, uh, to the cases to work. Um, and if the captain leaves, then Sherlock and Joan basically have to leave as well, because the captain's sponsoring them on the NYPD. And so that they'd have to like go forth and find other things, and Sherlock basically wants— Marcus to always be as challenged as possible as... And that realistically means going to the Marshal Service... Because Sherlock has eliminated the ATF because it's too narrow... The FBI because they're too inflexible... And DEA because their moral values don't really align with Marcus's... Which for Sherlock left the U.S. Marshal Service... So it was a really good sort of touching type of thing... Not like an aggressive sort of meddling that Sherlock has done in the past with Marcus... And that kind of softer approach leads Marcus to actually apply for the marshals, And within six months, he could be potentially going to down to Georgia to receive his Marshalls training. And so even Marcus's girlfriend, who we haven't seen in, like, I want to say two seasons um appears to have a discussion about whether or not she'd go with him. And so it's one of those really kind of quiet character moments of character subplots for the show that they don't do often with Marcus, but when they do, they tend, tend, tend to nail it. And they nail it again here. And um it's a really nice sort of moment and shows... Just how far like Marcus and Sherlock have sort of come in their friendship. So that was the main reason I wanted to highlight it was the really good Marcus stuff. Even though I don't for a second think that Marcus is leaving the show. um, Because I think that the dynamics and everything are too well established at this point. Even if they do have a seventh season forthcoming. Um, Who knows? But I think it's a really, if they are going to write Marcus out, this is a good way to do it.
0: Now remind me, do we actually know they've been renewed for a seventh season?
1: Yes, they have. Oh, okay. Yeah, surprisingly, they got picked up for a seventh season. So even though they're burning off basically an entire, like, an 18-episode season in the summer of right now. But, yeah, they got picked up for a seventh.
0: That's so weird. Okay. I mean, like, yay, don't get me wrong, but it's so weird. Um. Yeah, okay, well, I look forward to catching up with that one then. Like you say, those Marcus episodes always seem to be fun. And <laughs> I-, I do appreciate that this is a show unlike other versions of Sherlock Holmes stories that does actually value Sherlock's relationships with people who aren't Watson and maybe his brother. And, and, and I, it feels much more genuine and less like, you know, keeping a pet. And there's a sense, there is still a sense of, of Sherlock keeping, <laughs> keeping pets <laughs> with these detectives, but it's, it's, he it's an instinct he's aware of and fighting against, I guess, you know, um, which makes it much more endearing and much more uh, relatable than than uh, other more smug and smarmy versions of the character. So uh, that is all the shade I will throw at Sherlock right now. Um, any other elementary thoughts or is it time for DuckTales?
1: No, it's time to DuckTales since I talked about it and was coughing up a small lung. Uh, why don't you tell me how you felt about the other bin of Scrooge McDuck?
0: Uh, it was so fun. I really like this one. And again, it's a it's another Webby episode. It's another uh, Lena episode. Just Catherine Tate is just having so much fun in this. I liked the the twist with uh, the tenderfoot, who's like Gavin or whatever his name was. Uh, that was delightful. And again, another really distinct uh, Huey Dewey and Louie subplot that I appreciated differentiating the three of them uh i yeah it was it was good it, it moved well and it brought the number one dime to a head like that tension in a really effective way and then it allows for a straight on heel turn from Lena because she's not lena she's magica now uh that I look forward to seeing the show explore so you know we'll see what's next but uh they certainly having her make that choice lena to to come clean which took too long but at least they got there you know uh what was uh something i certainly appreciated and now that lets us have however many episodes this arc is going to be where it's really magic instead of lena and then based on how well they've been dealing with both of those characters so far i think there's likely very good stuff headed our way what did you think
1: yeah, I really liked the episode as well. Um, I like this idea that Scrooge has like this whole sort of two, he has this Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse beneath the mansion, which is just the best idea and the worst possible idea, which I'm sure that the show is going to exploit later on um because there's too many dangerous things down there's a unicorn there's a bloodthirsty unicorn down there and a dragon <laughs> um so i feel like there's a number of things that will kind of come to the forefront i really really liked lena's uh nightmare scenario that played out for us as yeah. a result of the evil dream catcher that entire sequence was really well done in part because of as it worked as a manifestation of her fears But also as the fact that it was a very good fake out because while they laid the seed for that dream catcher thing, you kind of forgotten about it initially. And that whole sequence plays really smoothly um, down to the fact that the number one dime is surrounded by a very well grooved um, circle where Scrooge paces around it, which is a really Mm. good callback. And so that you just think that this is a natural thing that's happening. And so it's a really good sort of um, way to really force Lena to begin to confess before Magicka possesses her. And while I'm very miffed that we're having to take a break um, of over the next couple episodes before we get to the finale, which I'm really hoping deals with this. Um, at the same time, next week's episode has Sky Pirates from Tailspin. And now Tailspin is canon, Kate. I'm losing my mind, <laughs> but yeah. So it was a really good episode, and the Bigfoot con was a really decent sort of distraction subplot. I would have been fine without it, but it was a, it was fun, and I really enjoyed Louis trying to face off against another like scammer. But everything was about Lena Webby and Scrooge and Magica in this episode, so it was really really good, especially coming off um, Case Files. Episode of Scrooge sort of really Accepting Webby and that kind of an aspect Of their relationship coming not to The forefront here but at least being kind of Present in how Scrooge responds to her being Down there I think it's just really good And so I'm really eager to see What we've got coming in the next four episodes Which is all we have left
0: tears um i also loved the whole numbering system thing cuz yes. like when they yep. went to 1877 or whatever the whatever the year was i was like but that's not it's a different numbering system than than you just said and the show's like pay no attention and then immediately after the reveal they go oh of course this is the year this isn't the right but it should be day month year so this isn't the right room i was like yay good <laughs> those are the the details that i appreciate i appreciate the the paying attention to all the the nerdly details of your cataloging system of your other bins, in in my various genre series, uh, let's move on to our next episode and that is Drunk History Halloween. This had three solid up, solid um, installments. I thought the the Dracula one. Uh, I again when I was watching this my uh, video kept stopping every twenty to thirty seconds, so I had a bit of a. a Interrupted <laughs> viewing experience, which certainly doesn't help for comedy. But my favorite segment was definitely the central one, one with uh, Allison Tolman. Um, did, did you? How did? You, let's start with the other two. How did you like the other two stories with Dracula? And what was the first one?
1: uh the Salem, the Curse of Joel, something or another. Oh or yes, Ethan or something. The Salem Witch Trial, Man Giles. Got, he, yeah, yeah, Giles Corey. Um, so the Giles Corey one was fine. I don't think that, uh, Joel McHale is necessarily a good fit for this show. He doesn't seem super comfortable with it, at least within this segment. Um, so that one was fine. Um, and the Dracula one I didn't really enjoy all that much. I sort of enjoyed their low budget ways of doing impaling. I thought it was really funny, and I think that's sort of the biggest takeaway from that. But the Alison Tolman uh, segment about the invention of Halloween as a way to basically stop teenagers from doing the purge every year at the end of October (laughs) is just terrific. And I really sort of meant to check to see really how accurate this was because I had no idea Halloween was so terrible prior to this woman going, I just want my heirloom roses to not be destroyed every year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love this, like... It's like I'm, you know, I'm gonna throw a party. But I'm not gonna go too crazy. I mean, come on, it's you know, it's this. I forget the name of the year. It's it's blah blah blah. blah. And then the next year, she's like, no, we're doing a rager. We're doing a, we're just we're going all out. We're getting them all tired and hopped up on sugar, and the crash, and then they won't destroy my roses. Um, I, I I really appreciate it. And again, like you said, um, Jill McHale, eh, questionable. Um, Alison Tolman, perfect fit.
1: Yes. Yeah, super perfect. She was nailing it, I thought.
0: Yeah, very good. Super fun. Again, in general, Drunk History has an excellent casting track record. Um any other thoughts on Drunk History?
1: Uh, no, it was just a really fun little chain of episodes, and I sort of like when these cable shows that do, like, episode, holiday-themed episodes are just like, it's the middle of summer, we're gonna do a Halloween episode, we don't know when this is gonna air, and so I enjoy, like, getting those little holiday treats sometimes from, uh, shows that sort of air outside of the calendar year, so it's, it's a nice little, it's a nice little thing, I just wish there were more winter episodes airing right now.
0: Yeah, like, uh, Younger just did a Christmas episode.
1: Right, exactly, I saw that on the rundown, so I was just like, that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our next show
0: is also terrific. It's Paid Off with Michael Torpy, which is a game show on True TV. People may have heard about it because this is the game show where you compete. They have people compete to earn money to pay off their student loan debt. And I don't know that I will watch more of this, but because uh, I don't think it's that good of a show, but I was surprised. How pointed it is! Like it basically feels like an SNL sketch. They are very blatant about this is a crushing problem in our country, and the you need to we need to fix it, guys. This is ridiculous. This is insane that this is a solution people have to their student loan debt. Um, and like having each time they have one of their three contestants eliminated, they invoke call your senators, call your representatives, you know, like the, every single time. Like they, they were invoking um distinct societal change and the need for engagement of young people and just all Americans. I, I was very surprised by that. So it's like a really pointed win Ben Stein's money because – you desperately need money so you could start your life and be a functioning member and contributing member of society rather than being weighed down for the next three decades of your life, paying off loans. Um, I was, I don't know. I was very surprised. What, what did you think?
1: Uh, so I was also kind of surprised. Like I think your conception of it as a SNL skit that kind of meets when Ben Stein's money is really accurate um, because it does sort of feel like an SNL skit. Um, and, but the really pointed, like, sort of critique and commentary, plus Michael Torpy's sheer earnestness about how much he legitimately seems to care about this, which I find really interesting um, as well. And part of the reason why I think that the show generally works as well as it does is because he seems deeply committed to this concept. Because it wasn't his student loans that he paid off when he got that underwear commercial that he mentions at the first of- first episode. It was his... Fiance, girlfriend's wife, um, I forget what their status was when he did it, but he paid off basically her student loans with that underwear commercial that he booked, where it wasn't even like a major part in that commercial. It was something opposite Michael Jordan. Um, And he just happened to be in the ad, but he got paid enough to pay off like her $40,000, whatchamacallit, um, debt that she had or something along those lines, which is insane. Um, So... I do think that the show's drive to make sure that these people have money, at least walk away with some money, because the first person who gets eliminated, if they didn't hit a grand, they get a grand when they leave. The second person gets to keep all the money that they um, have earned through over the course of the show. And the finalist either gets to... Keep The finalist gets to keep whatever money that they've earned, plus whatever they get paid off in the final round, uh, where, the, for those of you who haven't watched the show yet, each question the show will pay off 5, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100% of the loan, basically, over the course of, like, eight questions. So, even if you only get, like, half of the loan paid off, you still get whatever money that you got over the course of the first two rounds of play, which... Again, the show's deeply committed to this idea of making sure that people have money. They grab someone from the audience at the end to read a really depressing fact about loan debt, and then that person has the opportunity to basically win up to $1,000 for their own loans. And so it's really it's really good, it's really interesting, but it's also one of those sort of icky situations in which we're watching a cable network profit off people needing to be on a game show To pay off their student loans. So there's this weird insidious sort of capitalism aspect of it still at play of, well, we have to put people on one of the most capitalistic things that American television has produced is not American television, but television and broadcast has produced the game show. And then so that they can pay off their crushing debt. Um, well, mostly crushing debt. There was some guy who showed up with like $4,000 in debt, and I just went, buddy, that is very manageable <laughs> compared to the woman who has $40,000 in debt standing right next to you. <laughs> um, uh, but it is really good. Um, I've watched three episodes of it, and generally the questions are all really easy. The hardest questions, Kate, I kid you not, are the tiebreaker questions when they have to eliminate someone mm-hmm. because they're math questions. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well that's the thing. I mean it goes to the ethos of the show. Yeah. Which we've been talking about. The questions are easy. These are mm-hmm. not hard questions. And if you get a question wrong, you don't lose money. Yes. And in the last round, you need to get if you get eight right, they'll pay off your entire loan. Um it's not like there are only eight questions and so there's like a max like no, if you miss just one, you can't you just keep going <laughs> and, and the, again the questions are a little harder there but not a lot mostly there's a, it's a time crunch and can you respond quickly uh, you know in uh, in that time in, in that pressure situation but no like they they want everybody to at least get some money yes <laughs> they're like do. And when they're like, when the guy got like half the answers, like this, you want to say the second word? Yeah, you did. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> prompt. Prompt. Yeah. Um. So. So while I absolutely agree, it is still kind of gross. At least it's there's. It's not like a um, <laughs> they shoot horses, don't they? Situation. Uh, where where there's a sense of like the you could go on there and then still walk away with nothing or yeah. like if you, you try to guess and you're all, you're so desperate to to get an answer and try to get some money that you mess up they don't take money away you know what i mean so i think if you're going to do this show this is a better way to do it
1: yeah yeah and i mean there's nothing like really particularly revolutionary within like the format i think like the biggest thing no. that they have is the i knew that card which is i think very clever and i really like that as like a Mechanic for the game, um, especially like in the second episode I watched, everyone got a question wrong, and then the guy who had the I knew that card, which allows them to say I knew that and still get the money. Um, Mm -hmm. even if they get it wrong, or even if they don't buzz in, they can say that they knew that, no questions asked, and they get the money. And the guy got the question wrong, and then after everyone else had gotten it wrong, he said, I knew that, and got the $200 (laughs) anyway. So it was really clever. (laughs) Um, but I like that as a kind of game mechanic for the show as well, because it also fits with the ethos of, well, I'm going to earn an extra $200 because I got this question in the first round correct, and I got this card that allows me to earn a free $200, basically. So... It's really it's it's cool. It's cool.
0: Yeah. Well, and the, the, I knew that is so arbitrary, but that yeah. to me is also a bit of a commentary on the, how arbitrary these crushing loan debts are. Uh-huh. You know, it's uh-huh. like you know, like this idea of well, you have to go to college if you want a degree so that you have any potential at a career as opposed to just a a job that won't allow you to save for your future and have any security. Okay, did you happen to get like when I was in grad school, um when I was going from undergrad to grad school, the the budget was getting cut so severely um by the state of Illinois like the amount of funding that the state gave the public universities. Uh they were putting people on furloughs. Um the the like the the staff and the professors and stuff were having to take unpaid days. Um and the situation for grad students went from basically if you get accepted to grad school you will at least have some sort of a ta ship that will cover part of your tuition if it's in-state you'll get free tuition like that kind of thing where the grad students if you got into the grad school they would figure out some sort of way for you to do a ta ship or something so that you didn't have a lot of extra debt for grad school yeah um and that it went from that to like there were three and if I hadn't gotten the TA ship, or if I actually I was, I worked IT, if I hadn't gotten an assistantship, I was very strongly considering just not going to grad school because I couldn't afford it. Right. And, I wasn't, and as as a musician, I wasn't going to take out like tens of thousands of dollars of debt going into a field that pays so little. And I don't know if I would have gotten on the trajectory I'm on now if I hadn't because i got way better in grad school you know what i mean so yeah. like the the arbitrary nature of so much of our current education system and and who has access to those things and and who you know who's going to have their entire life just de- put decades behind where they would be because of student debt um is reflected f- t- for me in the hey i knew that
1: hmm. no and it is i mean the arbitrary nature of it is like really Serious, And I know we're kind of getting off topic here, but it's also sort of an important sort of relationship to the show. I mean, like, I am extraordinarily lucky in that I went to college in Georgia. So as a Georgia resident, I had access to the Hope Scholarship before it got really stringent and cut, um, which meant that for my final two years of college, uh, because I went to a public uh, institution, um my tuition was covered by the state. Um I just had to pay the fees basically and cover my books. Um my first two years I went to a private uni- uh, private college and so they covered 3000 a year. So the what student loans I do have and I'm actually about to pay them off at the end of this month. Um Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm I because of the fact that I'm splitting rent with someone, I have enough extra money that I could finally make large payments to my student loans and pay them off. Um, so that's happening. But also just like, like you, when I went through my graduate work, I had a TA ship for the first two years and then uh, I finished coursework and I basically just had thesis hours left, um, but they weren't going to offer me a assistantship Um of any kind, so I had to find a full time job to cover the fact that I still had to file for three thesis hours, even though really I never met with anyone except maybe a couple times over the course of a semester. And that was a large chunk of money to pay each semester. So basically what ended up happening is that I just did not finish my thesis, in part because I saw the writing on the wall with um, the humanities program continuing on to a PhD, but also because I just didn't have the time or the money to cover that. So Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where, all right, well, I have a full-time job that gives me health insurance. Um, but I need that money to buy food and that kind of thing. And it's a little expensive to keep paying for thesis hours and write a thesis and work full time and that kind of a thing. So yeah, in parts why i never, I didn't finish my master's, um, which I don't really regret, but again, it comes down to that issue of money and loans. And I didn't want to take out loans for thesis hours because that's just ridiculous. Um, so, it was one of the reasons why, like, I was attracted to the show after I saw it being promoted, and then I was really surprised when I enjoyed it. Um, but like you, I don't think I'm gonna watch more than the few episodes that I did watch, um, this week. But it's good. I, th- I think people should check it out. If you have True TV in your cable package, um, it's, the first three episodes are available on demand, and they're all really easy. The third episode, uh, has teachers on, um, who all have a significant amount of debt, um, as educators, and Torpy gets jokingly indignant about the fact that teachers have massive amounts of debt, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So.
0: <laughs> Going into that high-paid field of teaching. Yeah, yeah. no. Uh, in grad school, I should have been practicing four hours a day. Uh, but I had full class, class load and uh, a 20-hour-a-week assistantship and a job as well. And I so i had no social life um and, and like i literally my teacher had me bring in a calendar of my day and every i had one hour each day that was not scheduled to eat dinner and not go insane and I was like this i i just i don't i i, I can't quit that job because that pays my rent yeah I can't quit that job because that pays my tuition so this is the time i have and i'm sorry i'm not getting better faster i'm getting i'm doing the best that i can and he was like well how much? Because he was, and hes European. My teacher was European, is European, and so it's just a totally different thing over there. And so he's like, "Well, how much is your tuition?" And I "This <laughs> covers all. This is how much it would cost if I quit my job." He's like, "Well, that's insane." Like, yeah, it's completely welcome insane. to America. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, as much as I would love to keep talking about these things, we should grab it to our last show for a weekend TV, which is the Great British Baking Show and puddings and drama right you never f- okay so listeners i got some texts from Noel as he was watching this episode this episode's puddings <laughs> and he, he, and they were very exciting texts he's like oh my god this thing just happened and then this thing just happened and then there was no follow-up at the end of the episode right. when and there was no elimination i did you know that that was going to happen or was that a surprise and what was your reaction
1: um i wasn't really surprised by the lack of an elimination um given the show's sort of general ethos and sort of approach this the idea that um who went home who had to like who got hurt John John yeah yeah so the fact that John got hurt like very badly and had to leave like crime scene i think is how you described it bad in your review <laughs> yeah. um is that i figured they weren't going to send anyone home this week just because it wasn't nec- it wasn't really fair to John and the show is generally sort of has put an emphasis on fairness over the course of its run, even as I've watched these shows, seasons on PBS out of order um, to like even the point where they were just like with the baked Alaska debacle. They were basically just like, if you had given us something, we could actually have judged it, even if it was what it was, we could have at least tasted it and evaluated it as opposed to you just kind of giving up. And so the fact that they made a decision not to eliminate someone this week, but do a double elimination next week, I think generally fits within the tenor of the show. Um, though I do agree with you in your review that the show does a really decent job of masking that fact that they're going to do that through the editing, um, because everything still seems really ramped up. Um, people seem really stressed about it because they don't know that this is going to happen. And so I think that it's generally really well done. I just wasn't like super surprised by it either, which is why there was no follow-up task text, I should say. There was just Catherine's very good line of, I'm not serving green carpet to Mary Berry. And <laughs> it's the best word. Those are the best words anyone has ever uttered in that sequence ever. It's just so good. It's so good. And I love that she does not care about Paul. Yeah, no, because... <laughs> You know, kind of fuck Paul, like you kind of wrote in your review, kind of fuck Paul a little bit, Um, especially in this episode. So I think it's a really good episode, though my one big question that I wanted to ask you over text, but wanted to hold back on until we discussed it, was I don't think a strudel's a pudding at all. It's a pastry, and I'm very confused by the fact that it was included in this. Can you please explain this to me?
0: I can at least a little bit. First of all, strudel was just such a dastardly challenge. I was enjoying Mary enjoying how
1: hard God, the challenge she was, was. She was like a she was like a super villain in her like sheer delight in how much pain they were about to suffer. And I've never seen Mary very oh, like totally. that before.
0: <laughs> yeah, and watching like her, they never show Mary and Paul like reacting to people's bakes while they're mid-process. Yeah. But they did this episode. They're like, yeah, they're doing this, and they're doing this, and I don't know if that's going to work over there, but I'm really intrigued. You know, like, that that's how you knew that it was, like, a serious bake, a serious situation. Um, but the, the explanation that one of the commenters gave, or several of the commenters gave over at the AV Club and on my review, was that a pudding is a dessert, usually, though obviously they had some savory strudels, where it is wrapped and cooked like, kind of like a sausage or something, you know? So, like, a pudding – like, the, the the wrapped up and boiled kind of cake thing, right? Right. right. And so this is, like, it's encased. So the strudel – like, I also would – to me it's a pastry. But it's that idea of being wrapped is how they're getting around that. But the trouble is that pudding as a term has also just come to mean, like, any dessert. Or, like, right. the dessert course is pudding, you know? uh so, so it's it's those kind of sauce self saucing kind of puddings or the like the little mini cake things, right, yeah, and then the second but then I'm like but then, how does that apply to this the technical challenge, the queen of puddings, which is custard jam, and meringue, and in no way boiled, they like bake it in a dish in the oven. How is that at all? Encased, like right. I don't, I don't understand. I feel like that is just like Queen of Puddings, as in like Queen of Desserts, you know. So apparently, in a previous season, there was like a brief explainer on the different terms. That uh, so that's why there isn't one here because they had already done that a different season, or maybe they did it a later season. I don't know, but I was certainly confused and just decided to just go with it. <laughs> and that's something that returns a little bit in uh, in in the next. Oh, not in the next – there, there, there's uh, some future episodes that have some confusing – somewhat confusing terminology, at least to me. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a really strong episode because you had really high drama. Um, you had some really great reactions and, um, I mean, Sarah Jane, I, I just – either Sarah Jane or Catherine is my spirit animal, depending yeah. on the episode – and then the like the, you had the whole dough thing, and then you had John gouging the crap out of his finger. In spoiler, in the next episode, which was filmed, don't forget, a week later, he's still wearing a glove while he cooks. That tells you how deep the stitching, like the, the cut was and like the fact that a week later the stitches are still like in, he's still using he's still not hundred percent better, you know? Um, but that oh man, when
1: he takes off that glove, his whole hand is just like it's Bright, covered in blood. blood red. It's just blood. Like it's a hand of blood. It's not a hand at that point. It's just a blood shaped hand.
0: <laughs> yeah. Are you with me though that Danny was crushing it? I was like, Danny, you're in my bake off tent anytime.
1: Yeah, no, Danny really was crushing it. And I mean, I do feel like Brendan's getting a little over praised a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes a little bit. Uh not a lot, a lot, but um, mainly because his his approach is just so methodical. But I think I think Danny just does really good work. And um, so I'm always happy to see what they're making. Um, But I do agree with you. Like, I feel so bad for Sarah Jane all of the time. And I just, she's just, she's, she's, she's deeply invested and she wants this really badly. But then she's just like, everything's going wrong all around me all the time. And it's raining. What better sign do I need? And (laughs) I just, I feel for her, but then Catherine just comes on and just like, I feel like the show keeps wanting us to think of Catherine as like really disorganized and flighty, but then she keeps turning in things that are really good and really amazing. And now I'm just Mm -hmm. like, show, you need to stop because even if she is running out of time, she's clearly nailing it. So Mm -hmm. you can just stop with that nonsense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to your thoughts on the next episode, because there's, um, there's more goodness. But I will, that's a little say.
1: It's Sweet I'm very excited about Sweet Yeah.
0: Um, any final thoughts? Or if not, what wins your week in TV?
1: Oh, that's a great question. What does win my week in TV? Um, I'll give it to DuckTales, I guess? No, I'll give it to Puddings. Puddings. I'll give it to Puddings. Yeah, Puddings this yeah. week. Yeah, what about you? Yeah,
0: I was like, baking show or DuckTales. So you give it to Baking Show, Great British Baking Show. I'll give it to DuckTales. The other band is Scrooge McDuck, just for Catherine Tate cackling, which is always going to be something I enjoy. So, uh, yeah, another fun week in TV, however, truncated for me. Um, Now we will take a break, listen to a little music, and come back with our wrap up of San Diego Comic Con 2018 and everything that myself and my sister saw and experienced and all of the good, fun times that were had. So we'll take it. We'll be right back after this.
1: Gonna catch my train bound for the western sun. you oh, should oh. here she comes road
0: We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Colson, joined us every by Noel Kirkpatrick, and it is time for our Comic-Con 2018 wrap-up, which means we are welcoming you back to the podcast, my sister Maggie. Maggie, welcome back. Hello! Very glad that you could join us to Thank talk you. about a... a what, is, what, was, what was a good Comic-Con this year? It was a very good Comic-Con this year. You had a good time. So, uh, Noel, as the person who didn't go to Comic-Con, uh, I'm going to just hand the reins over to you, and you can ask us stuff, and then we'll talk about, you know... what we thought
1: (laughs) right so i think like of the things that you and i didn't discuss Mm -hmm. uh last week um well the week before rather uh what stood out what panel did you go to that like kind of stood out non-tv related that you went to because i think you went to a couple that we didn't discuss yeah
0: uh well i think that you should talk about the the art in the holocaust panel yeah, that was really cool. There was a panel all about art during and before and inspired by the Holocaust. Um and uh-huh. it, it was a panel of uh, really fascinating and uh inspiring people, including a woman who was a survivor of the Holocaust, Ruthie, and her um her story was amazing. She uh she's ninety, I think it was it was. But she was sixteen during uh the start like at the start of the holocaust and she went in front of doctor Mengele six times um she survived three different camps and then was taken back to, she went from camp to camp to camp and was taken back to one of the earlier camps and that's where she was liberated but um her name was Ruth Gold Goldschmidova Sachs and um yeah and just like she was at Auschwitz and everything and um so the, she had you know, let alone just hearing her speak was inspiring. But the panel was about art during and, and before and, and after. And so she talked about, you know, what it, like seeing the propaganda that was going around before, leading up to the Holocaust, leading up to the war, and uh, like seeing the, the depictions of, of Jews and how that like really stuck with her before, like as things were starting to get bad um, in Germany. And then she like would, she made art while she was in the camps like so she had like figurines and and different things she made out of clay and and so they they had pictures of that that they put up and and then so that was really neat but there was also several panelists who were like a generation away uh from family members who were survivors who talked about people that that they knew uh that they had connections to and their stories and they talked about um there's this i you know I, I tweeted it but i don't remember i don't have a in front of me, though, this uh, comic, early comic artist um, who was one of the children who escaped via the Transport, which was okay. and, and also created like a early Latina uh, comic character, comic a character, which, which was also separately really cool. So she's like this early woman in comic art. Um, and she also was, you know, escaped the Holocaust, too. So it was like all like, you know, she had a fascinating life. Must have had a fascinating life. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was it was really neat. It was a it was a pretty decently big room, not one of the biggest, but it was packed. There was a line at the door. Maggie went to get some art from the floor, and we just figured she'd be able to, to like come right in as around the time because it was like. Who's going to be at the Holocaust art <laughs> yeah, panel at Comic-Con? I thought it was going to be a straight walk-in, and the know. answer was a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. And the other thing that was neat was that the whole room emptied out at the end. So that meant that it's not like people were camping for a different panel. They were all there for that panel. Mm-hmm. And um it was it was really it was a really great panel. Hopefully Comic-Con will bring it back next year cuz clearly there's demand. Um Yeah. And there yeah, it, but it was it was really neat. People can find um information uh, about about some of these panelists they one of the panelists has a uh tried to remember and never forget which is a um a memoir of some of the people that they were talking about well, there's a, it was a specifically about ruthie right yeah i think and it's her, about it's about ruthie because her daughter was there so i think her, her daughter wrote that yeah memoir about her mom yeah so but it, 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 you can find that and and hopefully again hopefully they'll bring it back because they, i mean and, and they also were talking very briefly didn't get really go into this but talking about the impact of all of the people who fled germany before during and after the holocaust and then even just like the second the next generation of people who did and how many went into the arts and created some of the most um popular and long-lasting comic book characters um, just the number of refugees and immigrants that were heavily involved in the creation of like Superman, for example, <laughs> and Spider-Man and the, you know, like everyone, all the ones that are making billions of dollars today. So it was, it was really, um, it was really interesting. Even just like a panel on like depictions, like uh, art, using art for propaganda would be interesting. It would be and, interesting too. That's again. enough for a full panel. But when you combine yeah. in the other stuff with the, um. The survivors and the the, like they talked about a woman who uh was very young but was an artist and mengala needed somebody who could draw the shade skin tones really well and he didn't have anyone so she worked for him um so that she and her mom would be spared from the gas chambers so like some heavy shit yeah and i think the something that one of the um men's said That I was able to catch because I was there for the last five minutes was that his father, who I think his father was a survivor, Mm -hmm. and his father told him that his father told him that you know after the war the Nazis didn't go away; they just changed their uniforms. So that line stuck with me. Yeah, the just the discussions of the well that that concept, you know, there's certain themes that yeah that it's not you know they didn't go away now yeah yeah the notion that people are people well and it's just in that then and that's what i think as a teacher who we we teach the holocaust in world war ii as part of our curriculum at the end of the year in fifth grade and i um what i the big idea that i that I think is the most important for my students to take away and to understand is the fact that it's not just done and over. And that was very sad. And now, but that's in the past, you know, um, that like to take a quote from Maddie Moody, you know, constant vigilance that, that idea that, um, that part of humanity and that, that instinct to, to put, others down to make yourself bigger and the the big but the small ways that, that happens is not just a dusty tome of the past that we can say was very sad but you know that was then and we're more evolved now you know um so that line spoke to that which is something that i think is really important for students and for kids who are learning um, history to understand about the Holocaust and about, uh, you know, any other, you know, any other theme in his- in history. Yeah. So it was a, that was, that was a panel that definitely stood out. Um, are there any others? Well, the other one that was, um, that was interesting that we both hadn't thought about was comics for the blind and visually impaired. Which I was like, wait a second that's the thing yeah we were both like yeah how does that how does that work (laughs) i was i was just like you know not i was just like how how does how how you know um so that was really interesting so they have basically the process is seems like it's they're basically you take a comic and you have it as a kind of like an audio book so they have showed us two different formats and ways of doing that. One, and I think it would depend on how text-heavy it is, right? So in the first sample that they showed us, they had a comic that was – they just had read the words out loud. But it was very text-heavy, and I think it was just one person speaking. Mm-hmm. And in the second one that they showed us, the pacing was slower, and so I wondered if that was more for, like, younger children – Um, but the pacing of the, the rate of the voice was a little bit slower and it was the person, like the, the person was describing what was, and narrating, acting as, as a narrator for text that was not there. And then different voices for the different, for like different voice actors for different characters. So the, and they just, um, and a line from that as well that stood out as we were leaving was that one of the panelists said that, gosh, he said, the The more the visually independent no, no I'm sorry, the more the visually impaired have independent access to more stories, the bigger their world becomes. So that idea of um, them being given independent access to broaden you know their own worldview and experience in the world. So, um, I, that was another one that neither of us had, had thought about. Um, but that was new to us. So that was interesting to learn about. Yeah. And, you know, like listening to them talk about uh, involving creators in in that process and how some comic creators, then they find out that this is a thing and they're like, Oh, well then I'm going to write the narration. I'm going to write what it is. And that's part of the creative process as well. Whereas with movies, some writers, are like okay you you, you do that <laughs> but like and, and the collaboration then between the writer and the artist and then how are you going to translate that it was in such a visual medium how are you going to translate like the work of people who really use the frame how do you capture mo- yeah. motion how do you capture snapshot um so it was it was neat but it's this idea of, of, of finding a way to kind of convert the stories and comics into audio dramas and and making sure giving like that idea of giving a sh- again giving access to the shared mythology of our time for those who are visually impaired it was it was it was a neat panel and again that's one of the great things about Comic Con is that yes there's all the big tent pole stuff yes the WB did their crazy big Hall Age presentation and they showed the, some footage from the Wonder Woman sequel and all that stuff but there's also a panel about the Holocaust and a panel about um you know, access for for those who are visually impaired to written comics. You know, it, it, there's all sorts of stuff going on at, at Comic Con. You just have to be curious, and you can find it. So, so it, those were two of the ones that were non TV related that we had fun with. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that sounds really great. And your point that you wrapped up with, I think, is really important since so much of it is about the big tentpole type pop culture stuff, whether it's a massive Janet meetup or <laughs> the Hall H stuff.
0: Was there a massive Janet meetup? I want to see the pictures.
1: <laughs> I, I'll send you a friend of mine's um, photo from like the Good Place fan meetup that no. had just a massive amount of Janets. Yeah. <laughs> um, That kind of stuff like gets a lot of exposure and a lot of attention, both in like social media, but also like in the news. And this idea of there being these even more niche within a niche sort of like discussions, but that sound... Way more fascinating than a sort of press junket fan relations sort of thing, which can be all well and good, but it encourages a new sort of perspective on art and this particular type of art in particular. And I think that that's really that's really compelling. So like your point about wanting them to maybe do the Holocaust and art one again and even expand it into a couple of different sort of topics, I think is a really smart idea.
0: Oh, another one we should mention is the language. Family oh, yeah, that, yeah, that too. Was cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. So we went to one about fictional languages. Uh, so created languages. So like okay. uh, the examples, yeah. you know, you got to like uh, your Klingon, your Dothraki, Elvish, like High Valyrian. Um, the ones that are fully fledged out. Because yeah, that's like, what they mentioned. And that's what one of the panelists said was that in um, the Star Trek verse, the Klingon language is the only one that's fully fleshed out. There's, yeah, there's, there's words of Vulcan, there's words in Romulan and such, but there isn't like a full, like, grammar and syntax and history and, you know, for those languages, the way that there is is for Klingon, which I wouldn't have thought about. I just know that Klingons are real popular, but that explains then why, because yeah, you can because it, yeah, learn it yeah. in a way you can't do those other languages. So that panel, they had, um, I don't know who the, I don't remember who the moderator was, though they did a good job but they had a woman there who was like the Klingon expert for Star, uh, Star Trek for several years. Um, mm-hmm. And then they had a professor, linguistics professor from UC San Diego. And they had, who was the teacher or the the professor that the third panelist had wor- worked under, had TA'd under. Uh, and that was the, the other panelist was the guy who created Dothraki and all the Game of Thrones languages and had done like some of the stuff for the hundred and some of these other basically if you can think of a pop culture <laughs> created language in recent time, he probably did it. Um so that was a that was a cool um that, w- that was a cool panel. The moderator was Jessica Sang, uh, from Girl and Geek, uh, who's a comic book historian. So that was a neat one too. That one was late on the first day, so I was real tired. <laughs> 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 but yeah. It was it was fun. Any other highlights from that panel? Well, you should tell you should tell from that panel the story of how the guy from Game of Thrones got the job, got hired. Oh yeah, so they they put sent out a um, they sent like there's this language kind of group that sent out a or institute or a, something A brief, yeah, for a, like a gig or something, a potential thing of like you know here's a challenge, can you make up this a language for like these criteria? And so. Um, I guess because there wasn't much information, a lot of the created language nerds, like there's a community, of course, uh, didn't yeah. really go for that one. Um, but, but he,
1: because really was a lot of job. work
0: for like, no, for no, he okay, didn't know what it was, you know, yeah. it was very vague. Yeah. And you had to sign a non-disclosure. Yeah. And yeah. so he, there was a minimum requirement, but there was no maximum requirement. So he, he wrote 300 pages, so 310. Yeah, the yeah. pages dictionary of a yeah. dictionary <laughs> of the complete Dothraki language. Noel's face right now is the correct face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So that was that was really interesting. That was fun. Uh, yeah. It was you know. So like it's like a uh, good thing that they hired him. Yeah. Imagine writing 300 pages of a dictionary and then you don't get the job. <laughs>
1: That's that would be terrible. That would be bad. I'd be very upset if I was that guy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, so that was fun. Um. Yeah. That was a good one too. Were there anything like that, or those were the three that we hit? We hit a, a lot, lot of TV of like non-tradish, maybe. of non, just like a TV show panel. I, those ones stand oh, and the, out. Oh, yeah, there was. We went to a quick, the quick draw. Oh, the animation quick draw. Panel. That's always fun. That's a Which good panel. I, I enjoy going to that one because it's like um, it's an improv comedy sketch for drawing. Like, so they have uh, they have three different screens. Um, and then they're just a, like a straight, like 90 project- degree angle down look at their sketch pad. And then they throw out um, they throw out, uh, you know, prompts and the drawers have to the cartoonists have to respond to them and they play different games and everything. Um, do we want to No, we leave it there? Leave it there. OK, yeah. we aren't you're not allowed to take pictures of their art. Um, sure, that I did makes have sense. a favorite though. Yeah. It was a clear queer... There was there were some there were some good ones. They were all good. There's some, some very memorable ones. That one last year and this year very publicly judged. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, that was satisfying. A very satisfying way. Yeah. Um and that's where we'll leave that one. And they're just so talented. So it's yeah, it's cool. It's so cool to see them make like make these these comedic images come to life instantly with with just just, pen strokes just a couple pen strokes you know um for them to be able to see the to understand the space that well and the shapes is yeah is is really cool so i have a lot of respect for for people who are who are talented at that yeah because goodness knows i'm not i can't do that yeah
1: no i'm the same way i can't (laughs) even draw a straight line with a ruler so yeah forget it yep yep (laughs) Um, so did you guys make your way to any uh, panels for like forthcoming shows or new shows? We did.
0: <laughs> we did. How, oh, should we okay. start with the good or start with the bad? Start with the, start, with the start with the bad. Start with the bad. Okay. All right. So we wanted to make sure we got in for the craziest girlfriend panel. And we did. Um, and it was good that we got there early because it was like completely full. Um, and there were definitely people who didn't get in who wanted to get in for that one. But that meant that we sat through the pilot for the new Magnum PI reboot. Oh my god!
1: Oh it's boy! So it,
0: was, it was making I was angry. I was angry sitting there and watching it. It was offensive. It was. It was. It was bad. Um. So you'll be shocked to hear that they've made Higgins a sexy British lady. Um. <laughs> and his, shocked who's former mi6 of course so that way she can be imperiled and then surprise everybody by knowing karate i guess i don't know martial arts and beating up even though she's tiny beating up two big goons um yeah uh she actually that actor is good perdita weeks oh, well, perdita something. Yeah. yeah um so she actually gets a few good things out of the character which speaks to the actor mm-hmm. The writing's that good. Um, they have uh Zachary Knighton as as the 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 guy who the friend who has all the criminal connections and I'm like yeah. he was funny. He what was, was Zachary the best part Knighton, about that? I don't believe you're in the part of the criminal underworld. No. You don't know everybody. Mm. Uh yeah. <gasps> but he was charming and of yeah, course very good on the panel. The, the best part of that yeah. Of that pilot. Though he was the only it good part about that. Just that period. Yeah done. It was the not only good. good part. There were some good that. explosions. Uh and the scenery is beautiful. So I was just it's trying to focus Hawaii. on that. Oh,
1: it's yeah. Hawaii, so yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: The the other friend who has the hell cause got the chopper, he there's potential for that character to be fun, but he doesn't really get anything to do. No, yeah, they just they didn't give him anything to do. Yeah, the guy doing Magnum P. I uh Jay Fern- Hernandez. Fernandez? Yeah, he is He's a decent actor. The thing I've seen, I've liked him in things I've seen him in, um, but just, I just do not like his Magnum, and it's it's this combination of but uh, I feel like that's performance. what performance they want him. To oh yeah, do, no, though. he's absolutely doing you know what, what I they mean? want exactly. So I, I don't feel that that's his it's, fault. I feel like that's the show's fault. Yeah, it's very smug.
1: It's oh my god, very, mm-hmm.
0: uh, oh. Ha- like he's too cool. Magnum PI is not cool. He's a dork. He's a super dork. And that's like the whole point. That's why it works. Um, and then he does cool things, but he's like a charming doofus. Um, yeah. This show wants him to be cool. Well, you the fir- from the very first shot that you see him for the first time, I instantly reacted, oh, I don't like him. Yes. I, okay. I don't. I yeah. do not. I do not like him. Um because just in the the stance and the angle of the camera. You, now the angle of the camera is down tilted up so you have to look up yeah. at him. And he it's is, a very adoring pose. Yes, exactly. Shot. I should say that um, pose shot. I'm like forget this. Yeah. I don't think so. And yeah. the whole pilot is I will say my the the part there were so many things that I hated about this pilot. <laughs> the worst part for me the part that i found the most offensive of all the really crappy stuff that was in there and was that listeners there's a lot there's there's a the part where where he explains to the kid whose dad just died about how his dad died when he was little and he coped with it by watching baseball playing baseball by playing baseball so Here's a baseball cap Kid to a child who that he's we had never no interaction with, and there's been no relate. It's not like they had a relationship whatsoever. They never even were in the same like. They never even spoke. Not, they never that had scene. Seen, yeah, and, and, and there's no sense that this kid's dad liked baseball or the kid liked baseball. But you know, Magnum PI, Magnum, his dad, he liked baseball, and his dad liked baseball. So here's a baseball so cap. He, he stopped crying. Stop being played. sad now that your dad yeah. died today. The one he literally said he that, stopped crying when he started playing baseball yeah so so that that's what the level we're talking about here so what was the most expensive anyway, scene being, for you so the most the most the the worst part was uh the well okay so all of the well all the people on there are of course super fit and beautiful and like yeah. like in perfect shape the women are um are impossibly uh skinny like, Tiny and yeah. and just really and fit, yeah, ripped a hat like really, yeah. really fit, 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 fit slender yoga body, just fine. That's like you know no, whatever, that's fine. But then the one time you give get the 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 like more the, the, the yeah the, the order or, the, or, or the something Emmy like or, that the Emmy or whatever yeah who's is, very unprofessional uh like a normal looking woman or person and but well she's TV normal. In she's, person, you she's, know she's like—I'm sure she is—like two percent body fat and gorgeous. Yeah, but so she's whatever. So the first like like normal person woman that you, the only one you see on screen, and like the first words out of her mouth is, "He brought her donuts to bribe her," and she calls herself fat. Like you think I need more more weight? Yeah. And then She goes, I shouldn't say that or something like that. No, but no, no, she didn't even. No, yeah. Like there, she didn't. Anyway, my point being is that. The, yeah, the first they only have one normal looking woman. There well, there are only two in flat. No, there's three because the there's a widow. No, yeah, the well, no, including the, her. There's there's the there's Higgins? Higgins, and the then ME the widow. And, and then the me. Widow. Yeah, so that's fine. Three. So there's three and the rest are all men. Mm-hmm. And the other two are like impossibly skinny. And then the one normal looking woman you have, she calls herself fat. That's the first thing that comes out of her mouth. I'm like, wow. Yep. yep. Wow. Anyways, coming on CBS. Um, the, I was going to I thought you were going to say. A lot of people enjoyed it. But, I thought you were going to um, say the worst part was that the guy, people around us really liked it. Oh, yeah. The room was like, I was like, and then they had. <sighs> but wait, we're going to say our favorite thing in the Q&A, though. We were. Okay. But I'm just going to say they had this this stupid, stupid joke. Where like he's running around and then he steps in a close up shot of dog poo, and, and then like cuts to right, his face for the reaction of. Wah, wah. I'm like, and then right as that happens, like the split second that happens, my thought is like, wow, who would think that is funny? And then the guy next to me just starts like defying until he loses it. I'm like, well, obviously that guy. That's who would too. <laughs> and yeah, it was not funny. Yeah, what I tweeted was, I thought the show was terrible. But clearly, it has a, it has an audience because people oh. were very excited about. It. Like, we didn't think there'd be anybody there for the Magnum PI screening. No, mm-hmm. it was very full. For there were a lot of people who were sitting through, but there were a lot of people who were there just for Magnum. There were some people cosplaying. There were some people. Um, yeah, they're just very enthusiastic. The, our favorite question, though, I hey, think this was really in the Q and A. was turn really funny. No, you go you. ahead. You can tell it. So the panel, um, they're making a big deal about this being a show about veterans, and that telling positive happy stories about veterans and, and positive well, positive positive veteran Leeds veteran Leeds veteran. Brother. the leads brother yeah is, is a veteran of uh who just retired after like 22 years of service um so i think it's i think it's sincere I don't it is sincere it, i think it was very sincere by the on behalf of the the panelists um but they also know it's an angle they can play yeah i'm more cynical than you are about that that's true yeah that's but i think both but yeah um, it's not yeah. insincere but like the and is they they said you know they're they hitting that note hard the producers and the showrunner um were hitting that note hard so then <laughs> it was entertaining to us when a person came up to the do the q a and uh introduced himself as like a sergeant or a step sergeant. sergeant yeah and recently um i think recently out of the military maybe still serving maybe so, i don't remember and what did he ask maggie no you remember the wording better I oh, okay and uh he wanted to know if they had any military advisors uh, cuz he was hoping Oh no I'm sorry I'm sorry you you're saying you're saying this a little bit off Well, that's because what I told he you introduced to say okay it. he introduced himself and then the whole panel was like clap 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 and thank you so much for your service and and all of that and then he asked his question which was which was uh so do you, do you guys have any military advisors cuz I was hoping it would be more accurate. <laughs> it was hilarious. And no one could say anything. Yeah, they're no like, "Oh, um, the well, could, like, yeah." Back or... We got, we got, we have two, and you know that's important to us. But we do have two, we have three. We have three advisors, and there's two former military, and uh, yeah, that's something that's that's really really important to us. Oh my god. We can't say shit.
1: We just didn't use them for the pilot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. No, but like the part that I just was dying because I was like, oh, because so much like people get can get so um offended and like mean when they get questions they don't like and also the crowd can be really mean when they get questions that they don't like. But for that instance, like no one could say anything. It was just kind of a special uh, circumstance and moment. So I was just like, I was just taking, I was soaking it up. Yeah, there was an internal, oh shit, just like what, what's up, huh? We have an answer to that? No. Yeah. What we gonna say? No. We're gonna sit in this awkwardness a little longer. Okay. Yeah. That was yeah. So that was really great. Anyway. So enough of Magna P.I. So the the other one that we saw was we saw the new Charmed reboot. Um, What was your take on that? I thought it was fun. You know, I wasn't looking for something. I wasn't looking for like high art and like that something was going to change my life. Um, I was I was like hoping it wouldn't be bad. And I think that I don't think it's like. I don't think it's like a great work of art as a TV show, Um, but I think that it was funny. And I think it had some where I bought in was with some of the moments with the the sister, um, the middle sister. You can talk a little bit about that. But um, they had some character beats that I appreciated and I connected with. And that's kind of where I bought in and i think um and i was i really enjoyed um watching charmed growing up because i've always liked mythology and magic and that kind of uh thing and that's really i mean besides um Sabrina the teenage witch which i'm not sure where that came in the no that was when i was in 5th grade mm-hmm. so i guess that was around the same time but there wasn't i there was an there was not another show doing that like the magic yeah, the way see doing fantasy when in that time period. So um I really enjoyed watching charmed when I was um in high school. So um it was fun seeing those characters they're not the same people, but it was fun seeing those roles again and um and yeah and I and I thought it was I thought it was good fun and I look forward to watching it in the fall. It it has nothing on Jane the Virgin cuz of course it's also from the, it's from the same showrunner. Jane the Virgin, uh, Jenny Snyder Ehrman. Um, but there is some potential there. So uh, I think go in with low expectations and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, if you go in with Jane the Virgin expectations, you will be sorely disappointed. But it could definitely grow into something. So, you know, it, and I think they do a good job of capturing the tone that people really respond to of, of the original. So we'll see what comes about. Any questions about Charmed?
1: Not really. I mean, Charmed was never a show that I really watched so i'm only barely sort of passingly familiar with it um what about uh returning shows uh what stood out in terms of what you got to go see
0: um so i went to the venture brothers panel which was fun but that was not those were not my people (laughs) you know sometimes you're in a panel or you're you're listening to a discussion you're like i'm with my people yes excellent I got that reference. Well done. Um, this was a panel where, uh, like, for example, at the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend panel, um, they mentioned Sondheim and the, and the the room went crazy. And they mentioned like 60s pop hits and nothing. And I was like, <laughs> I'm with my people. Um, and the Venture Brothers panel, when they mentioned Kristen Milioti doing one of the voices, I was like, yeah! Like, oh, there's only there's three of us, maybe? Three of us know who that is? You guys know? And then the, um, James Urbaniak made a crack about Marina, uh a uh, Maria Bettina being like a Venture Brothers villain and yeah. nothing from the crowd was like, Wow. You guys are just like just, they had no idea who that was. I was like, I I'm with you, James. I-, I I also know that reference and I think that's a great point and super funny and very interesting. I'm with you. Wow. Um so the Venture Brothers channel was okay but not great. Crazy's girlfriend panel was super disappointing. It was fine. There was not it's just like I was expecting, I was hoping it would be Like, super-duper fun? Honestly, I thought they were going to put more effort into the fact that it was their one and last panel ever. So, I was... So, yeah. Like, I just... I'm kind of surprised that they didn't put more effort into making it special. Like, why did they... I don't know why they did a panel. Other than, I think they just... They were there. Yeah. Um. So, they just did one. But it was only, like, 40 minutes. Um. Yeah. Noel's making a face, listeners. And again, that's the right face. <laughs> um, so so they they did um, have uh, Rachel Bloom uh, sing the the new theme song and to kind of describe what it's going to be, which it sounds fun. I think I'm going to like it better than the season three theme song quite a bit. Um, and there, you know, there were some fun stories and everything. It was mostly just kind of hanging out with Eileen Brush McKenna and Rachel Bloom, which is not a bad thing, no, but we... Yeah. My sister and I—I I mean, like I, listeners, you know—I love this show. Maggie also watches and enjoys the show. We have literally forgotten that we went to that panel at least two or three times. Yeah. When talking to people about Comic Con, that's not great. No, that's not okay. Yeah. So I just like, yeah, again, I'm like, it's your only—the show's ending—and it seems like this has been a real, like, important a project, labor love, yeah. a labor of love. So I'm just maybe. I don't know. So I'm just surprised that more effort wasn't made to make it really spectacular and worthy of a goodbye. Yeah. Because the, there was an audience there, definitely. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So there was some good cosplay. They had Broom Daryl. Oh, they had... Nice. Um, uh, they had Cactus Rebecca. Oh, yeah. That was good. That was um, a- there was some a- other... A- oh, they had... Um, i gave good parent. T- turkey. Like with the blonde wig, Rebecca, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Yeah, there was some some really fun stuff, but yeah, so that one was only meh. But there were some terrific panels. So then the other TV panels that were oh, the Good Place panel was just kind of meh. Um, the moderator did a really who was Mark Evan Jackson. He did a he moderated. was hilarious. Without it was him, it would have been yeah. And like the panelists panelist were, were good, where they were fun, but he but he really uh, spiced it up. He was hilarious. Yeah. It just was sort of very standard kind of questions and answers, so it wasn't as um, specific. The one that I, I do wish we had been able to get to, but we, we weren't, weren't able to because we went to the Crazy Girlfriend panel, was the Brooklyn Nine-Nine panel. That's one I'm going to seek out online. It sounds like it was a real good time, so um, that's the one I wish we could have seen, that we yeah, didn't. Yeah, that, and also Bob's. And Bob's. That was a choice, because yeah. I went to go, Um, I went to go get a... um some artwork signed by, uh, Nichelle Nichols. Yeah. So, oh, okay. um, sure. Yeah. So that was like, I, that was, so that was a choice that to do that instead of going to Bob's, um, which I do not regret, but I always like the Bob's panel is always good. So, um, I'll yeah. definitely look forward to doing that next year. Yeah. But so those are the other ones we, we hit up, but I think that's it. Right. For otherwise there were some really good ones. And the really good ones uh were Adventure Time and Steven Universe were terrific panels. They were super duper fun. Um were there any other ones besides us too? We I'll, I'll check. While you, while you t- tell us about Adventure Time. I'll well, you about so um I will check. So we didn't think we were going to be able to get into Adventure Time because we didn't like we decided to have like to sit down. And if you ever go to San Diego Cafe Madeline, um well, that's not down by the gas lamp, though. It's not, no, I'm no, it's not by the gas lamp. Um, mm-hmm. It's in South Park. It's in South which Park. Which is like a half hour, 40 minutes by bus away. But if you're in the area, delightful little cafe. It's really, yeah, it's really nice. It's really delicious. Very cool um, setting. Anyway, so... Today's we-
1: episode of the Televerse brought to you by... Please
0: cafe give Meadow. us croissants. The croissants are really good. Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. No, it was really good. So, (laughs) so, um, we, so we, we decided, we made the decision to slow down and actually have breakfast. I had a raspberry crepe. It was delicious. And, um, and then, so we went down and we were like, we're not going to like, we're not going to get up super early and we're not going to, you know, rush. Uh, we'll just go see if we can get in. And if we can good, if we can't, then that's fine. You know, then we'll go see this other panel. But we were able to get in, and to get in up in a pretty good seat too. So that was um, and the room did fill up, but like, so it was surprising. Maybe because uh, it was there's no, no, it was Friday. No, it was Friday. Yeah, yeah, because we got in line about eight forty five for a ten o'clock. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, so um, so it was really nice that we got in, but there was not there was not a line. You know. No, there was a line. I mean, like Again, we got in line an hour and 15 minutes before it started. Yeah, but still. But compared to previous compared years, to that previous was shorter. Compared to previous years, so yeah. what you would expect for a show that that big and with such a fan base. Yeah. It really has dropped off. They did a musical panel, so they had a band. And it felt very much like they were trying to kind of capture the energy of the Steven Universe musical panel. And it did not work. Um, but um, the what happened, that was very nice. Now, I didn't tweet about this because I wasn't being bitchy on my twitter mostly over the con mostly mostly um but um <laughs> okay so jeremy Shada, who voices finn is just, i is mean I, we don't know worst. him in real life maybe he's lovely maybe he just he's not nice. is having an off day or something but he just kind of seems like a tool and um he uh or he comes across that way he comes across as a total tool no let me let me tell the tale jump Gen- Gen- dental listeners <laughs> okay. um no like and i don't know him personally so whatever but we were at the adventure time costume ball um our like, first year at our first year at comic so it was so for that five years ago five years ago yeah and um yeah i could tell he was a total tool bag from the way he was from who he was picking you know what I mean? To win and costume just, prizes. Yeah, and just his face and his body language and the way, like, I, I could tell, I could tell that he was a Tolskys back. He was definitely hitting on a Marceline and get, yeah, trying to trying to make something happen there. Which, there's nothing wrong on hitting on someone, but it's but then anyway, it was age appropriate. Tr- yeah, but like, trust me, like I was like, this guy is is, like, a total tool. And I was right. <laughs> well, okay, so this year, um, when they did the music panel, because, of course, the actor started playing, voicing Finn when he was 12. So they had him do some of the songs. And he can't sing them... Oh, my God, he can't ...anymore. Sing. Well, like, okay, so... And to, like, to be, like, fair to him, that if he's not confident singing songs to which his vocal cords and his body has just changed then don't and i Kate's gonna say sing down an octave or whatever i don't think so because it has a it has a way it's supposed to sound so if he can't do it then just don't ask him to do it don't ask him to do something that's gonna sound shitty now i didn't think it sounded bad well until his yep, duet that so sounded bad some of it, it sounded it didn't sound good
1: but the, the first one
0: good. the first one i thought was fine was fine yeah he did the I'm a buff little baby da 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 da. He did Punch that one. Punching your buns. Punching your buns. And he did a good job with that. Yeah, that was yeah, that was totally fine. But anyway, so um, so that is not on him, but like not practicing and all that. Yeah, it was it's clear they really hadn't good. rehearsed as a group at all, and that wasn't good. And he and the the duet they had him do with um with Olivia Olson, who voices Marceline, was just it it was it was bad. It was really bad. It was real bad. He and wasn't it was not her. He he didn't match the he wasn't in the same key as the band. That's. I mean, come on. Uh, so, anyways, so but but what happened is that they he got double scheduled, so he had to leave partway through, and then well, the panel got way better. Yeah, because then he, left, and he I laughed and was like, and oh, Tom Kenny and Nicky came out who do BMO and Ice King. Yeah, and it was way better. And John DiMaggio, who does uh, Jake, was out already, and he he was, there already. he was really the core of that panel. And we did your pancakes like five times. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah and he was yeah he he just yeah seemed like a real sweetie. yeah it was so it was uh, yeah. one shot of left it was a much better panel and then the, it was like just let just let Olivia Olsen sing oh I know I'm like guys just let you know but it, really like, good. you know what? but no everyone like Shada did like a really bad job with with yeah. his songs but everyone else did like did a great job like Jake um Joe DiMaggio he was awesome um, and he was hitting that high note, that the... bacon pancake, like that. Yeah. He was hitting that, and then Tom. Tom Kenny. Tom, Tom Kenny the was songs. did a beautiful job with the icing like, songs. Getting super choked up here it by was. the crown. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. So I mean, and and then also Bimo saying the 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 act the the voice actor this Bimo saying the friends friendship like don't don't delete friends yeah. don't delete, which was also super cute. Um. Yeah, it was good. And then Rebecca Sugar came out yeah. and sang um did well, uh, first. everything go everything stays with um Olivia Olson. Um and they did uh, like an extended version cuz Olson had written another verse. So Sugar sang the first part and then Olson sang the second verse, which was cool. Yeah. And then And then and then she uh premiered the the finale song that's going to close out the series. That um, Which is going to be a yeah. Jake song, and I'm going to cry, Noel. It I'm going to cry really, so much. It was really beautiful. I've had the melody, the beginning stuck in my head, which is, I'm fine with that. In that traditional Rebecca Sugar way, the last line is just going to be like, and they're going to be like, oh, this is really beautiful. This is really beautiful. Last line, tears. Well, and then as she was, um, and also with the Olivia Wilson, but the... Um, Joe DiMaggio was just like uh, singing along with with the with the finale song, like um, and just like crying. Yeah, yeah. He was he was like voicing or like mouthing the, the words along with it, and yeah, it was, it was really he was getting Yeah, really, he's getting a And the his, you want to tell the story of uh, him what he shared about recording that. Oh yeah, that he could. He, they had to. Keep, he was trying to record it, and he kept crying, so he kept closing up his throat. So he had to keep. He yeah. was recording it for like an hour. It took a forever a to record it. Yeah, record It was. Uh, it was funny, and Kenny talked about that too. Like that, they do they do the songs that they'd be like, "Oh yeah, we got to make sure we remember to do the song," and they'd record that last at the end of like a three-hour session. So they'd be like, "Okay, two takes, go." <laughs> I hope it sounds good. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. So the, at first, I was like, "Oh, guys, why are you having your?" It, the questions weren't great. It was very like she, retrospective. She tried, but sh- it was not good. Like the tone was too like reverential and like distanced. Yeah. Um, for a show that still has episodes yet to air. Um, but and and then with the music because Ushada, um, it was it felt oh like God. such a pale imitation not- of the Steven Universe thing. But then once he left and they came on then it it really kicked up the energy and um you know uh yeah dimaggio and and, um, i'm sorry and kenny have done a bunch of things together so they like panels together so they really played off each other well he kept on apologizing being like whoo we got got through through it it. but like every time i'm like like why are you like i'm not i'm not gonna give you a high five for that are you serious like you may you get one not every single time do your homework you know, this is not a surprise that we, you're here. Today. I've been saying, we've been saying Joe DiMaggio. It's John DiMaggio is the oh, voice actor. That's oops. my bad. I was like, that doesn't seem like That's, right. That's Kate's fault. Um, anyways, so, but, so that panel was really terrific. That was our second favorite, but yeah, our favorite was Steven. It was really great. Yeah, that panel was beautiful though. I was glad we got in. Yeah. Which is saying because they didn't have any music. So normally, you know me, I'd be like, the place where there was song- singing, that's the one that I like the best. Um, but the Steven Universe panel was terrific, as usual. They premiered the next episode. Oh, it's so good. It's really good. Although, has it already come out by this time? By the time people are hearing this, it they may have seen it. I haven't because checked. What was that thing that was saying that I was... I don't know. Did, did Steven air the other day bill do you it know? didn't
1: air from what i understand that episode is supposed to be like available somewhere like legally but i haven't sought it sought it out yet
0: okay so they like put it on the, the app maybe or something
1: yeah i think so
0: okay um so because it, it was so, so it's it, it really good I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it with you and um should we do, sh- do you want should i say spoilers or not say no, spoilers you shouldn't say spoilers no
1: my i can take off. my headphones off i can take my yeah, headphones can, off no I mean, no no, no, no if you don't want if you
0: don't want to know anything <laughs> i won't say anything though
1: i don't want to know anything okay but well I can then take i will my headphones say nothing off. No, okay. it was just it was good really, it was really there's great. no new
0: songs or anything but it, it's it had a nice kind of like there was comedy and there was also like character like you character, learn new things and there's some it was uh new so, yeah it was a really cool it was a good episode like stuff happened yeah yeah returning there's a there's some new faces and some returning faces yeah so it was yeah it was a really it was a really cool episode yeah really really good one yeah so they did that and um and then they ended by announcing the steven universe movie so of course right like we got one more thing we're gonna show you just like this like three second and like teaser thing and then ending with Steven Universe, the the movie on Cartoon Network, and the whole room lost their fucking minds. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it yeah, was like, ah! it was. amazing. I mean, that must have been that. Mu- that would be cool to be sitting in, like in the panel just for to to get that wave of sound yeah, coming like, at them. Thing we're gonna show you because yeah. yeah, everyone was like really yeah because no no one was expecting that no 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 one was expecting that so that was really that was really cool yeah so. So we'll Very have to exciting. see when that comes out. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else about Steven? The questions were great. As, as oh, uh always. no, you know what? Yeah, the 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 voice actor for Paradot. hmm. Shelby something. Yes. She did um she did a terrific job. She did a moderating. great job moder- moderating. And again, more really terrific cosplay. Yep. There was a really good Paradot that we saw online. Oh, we should all a lot also- too. Yeah, the, there was a space Lars that was really, really good. So if you're listening, way to go! Nice job! Nice job, guys. Um, do you have her name? No, I don't have her name. Not here. Okay. Um, so that, so I, I would say if you like Stephen Universe, seek out the panel online. It, it, was a good. Oh yeah, it was a good. Definitely it was a good seek one. it out. Um, so the only other two things, uh, Cartoon Network, a costume ball is yeah. now they did it on Sunday in Indigo. Which is the only time, the first time they've opened up Indigo on Sunday. And it was nowhere, it was like maybe a third of the room filled. It was very sparsely attended. But it was really super fun. Lots of really great cosplay. And they did, they brought out um, Dee, Dee Magno Hall and Michaela Dietz. Who did, um, along with the guy who does Craig of the Creek. Yeah, the, Craig. the thing. Voice to add, yeah, pregnant. they asked kids trivia questions, very simple, like how many eyes does Garnet have, kind of things, and then the kids were jumping up and down, and they were getting prizes and stuff, so that was super cute, and um, that was fun. Oh, and uh, Dee, Dee, Dee Dee Magnum Hall, it was it was so funny because. Um, Gosh, the voice voices Amethyst again. Michaela Dietz. Michaela Dietz was just like, woo, yeah. And then Dee Dee Magnum Hall was just like, uh, "Just like, be careful, be careful, you know. <laughs> don't so, jump on your chairs. Don't jump sure on your chairs, children. You know? It was very in character. Yeah, yeah, it was very in character, but you know, but like sincere. Like yeah. that wasn't. Yeah. So, so it was funny. I don't know if they'll do it again next year in the same way because it was, they did, no came nowhere close to needing that big of a haul. No, but, but it was nice that you could just walk in, though. It was cool. That you though. didn't have to, that you could just come in and enjoy it. You mm-hmm. didn't have to worry about fighting for a space. Yeah. And when they did the costume contest, they let the, the, the pan, like all the kids, whoever was doing the contest, come all and like just go out, walk across the entire stage. Yeah. Which is not something that they've done before. Um, and that was, that sleep. was really cool. And so then you, everybody could really see cause they were on the cameras and everything too. So it was, it was nice. It was, it was a cool way to do it. Cause then you could like do their, like one girl did a back bend and oh, yeah, yeah. one, one kid did, one girl did this on like a bunch of karate demonstration. Cause she was being okay. K.O. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was a cool way to do it. So I hope they do that again in that same space, even though they didn't need that space. They didn't need it, but like, there's, what else is going on? My, going they might, they might as well, so right? As well. Um, and the other one we went to was the Buffy musical sing-along, which oh. was, uh, yeah. It was interesting. Um, that, it will surprise few people. It did surprise me it shouldn't have. There is some really toxic corners of that fandom, and they were present at that once more feeling screening it would be like everything's fine super fun and we're all enjoying the bucking musical people are gonna shout angry things at dawn for no reason and then everything's fine and then we're good and then we're blaming dawn for willow you know like just completely advantage of yeah completely messing with tara's memory and like this massive violation but that's dawn's fault she should just shut up and not talk about it you know well it was really gross. Some of the little hints of like anger and rage that were in that room that were just threaded through, and there was also like, like, yeah, it was. There was just a like a just an undercurrent of misogyny and anger. Yeah, in the room, and um, there's like I mean, there was a lot of women. Yeah, there was a lot was, of women I'll with that too. Probably it mostly. Was, there, well, yeah, you think there. Well, there was women, men, in the room? men, a lot of men booing Dawn too. Yeah, a lot of men too. But yeah, so it was just like it was, it was eye opening. It was very interesting because they had so the first okay, so mm-hmm. there were a couple like threads through it, one like one big thread was people being, like, really into Spike and that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Which, um just personally, myself, like, I really enjoy Spike until he starts, like, Buffy, liking Buffy, because then it just gets creepy. I'm like, ooh, gross, get away. I mean, he's still funny, and I can still appreciate, like, the actor, but the character skeeves me out from that point on. Versus Mm. when he's just bad, he's just hilarious. And, um, yeah, but I think he's just so rapey after that point. And then also then he, when he, uh, when he tries to like, uh, and then, and then particularly after the character tries to rape, um, Buffy, I'm like, we're done, you know, it's just, I don't see that. I can't like be like, Oh, like, I hope those crazy kids get together. Like, I'm like, no, but so yeah so in the that room, was not a problem in this room. no they didn't care they yeah. thought he they thought he was really hot and really romantic they were into the the submission kind of things with them there was um when 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 spike says you got a willing slave the whole room like lost their shit and thought that was like really hot mm-hmm. um and so yeah just you know it's fine People, people, I don't know. It's don't, just, I don't. I don't, don't want to kink shame. No BDSM shame. No, it's, here. I'm not talking. No, I don't mean, even think yeah. it's that. It's like the what they were attracted to. The yeah. So what they were attracted to and what they were like responding, what the audience was responding to, were very specific. Was yeah, yeah. and so so. And if it was, was that. just that and not the other, like more kind of angry stuff, well, that would have been fine, at least mm-hmm. for me. So the kind of dominance they liked yeah. that they yeah. they they liked when he was really dominant and yeah. then um so there was that and then there was also really like strong anti a lot of just anger towards uh dawn so the first time like her name comes in the credit like some like people booed and then like I laughed along I was like you know because oh yeah, yeah I think that's pretty well known that that was like not not a lot of dawn not, fans out not there not very graceful dawn like, is the Wesley of Buffy like landing on that plot point um but then every time she showed up or even she showed her face on screen there were like so much anger and and, like and like very personal like digs and stuff where i'm like wow what did this actor do to you like chill chill out yeah um and so yeah it was an interesting experience. Uh, for me, it was also really neat because I haven't seen it in a while. So seeing it on this big screen with the, like all the big sound and everything really highlighted just how good of an episode it is. Um, so that was, that part was fun. It just it was very eye opening. So you want it was an to interesting share way. about your partner who's seen? No, I don't. I, don't- it, okay. I was next to a very enthusiastic um, fan who did not appreciate when she was going on and on about Nicholas Brendan that I was mentioned that, well, you know, did have, get arrested for Spousal or for beating his girlfriend, she did not appreciate that. I thought that that was bad. Um, so <laughs> this yeah, bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's fine. Good. So, anyway, so like, so being in that room, I was like, oh, okay, I just made it very clear to me. Joss that is not gonna have any trouble Joss, Joss with his comeback problem with his with his fan like fandom going anywhere. Um, based on that room, at least that 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 self-selecting chunk of the fandom is going to be there with him yeah the they reboot. they don't yeah so they I mean they don't care they so don't it's care. it's based on like it goes back to that the the what the marvel right as well as you were talking about with the uh, johnny depp showing up oh yeah the wb panel. when they brought out johnny depp as Grindelwald and then had amber heard in the same panel like Forty five minutes. Yeah, Noel's making a face. Did yeah. you not hear about this, Noel? I did not. Yeah, they <laughs> brought Johnny Depp out in it as Grindelwald to kick off their panel and then they did Aquaman not long after. So you know Amber Heard had to be backstage with Johnny Depp. And that's just fucked up. But we're gonna fire James Gunn, but we're gonna then the same day bring Johnny Depp out at our panel and just like even keep connecting ourselves to Johnny Depp. So Well it just goes to show who people believe and who people care about. Yeah. Yep anyways on that cheery note overall it was a really great comic-con yeah you had a good time sounds like it yeah, yeah. any other thoughts good. any other questions we have gone long
1: oh no i'm just glad that you all get to like rest up and get ready for next year yeah <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah it's gonna take a while because we always have to do the red eye afterwards so like i got about two hours of sleep last night and i like things started spinning no i bet it was not good we were walking around town and like um because our, our we got picked up at the airport and didn't go right back to sleep right away um uh, we should have but we didn't and uh, people wanted to sightsee so and and so so then we were just kind of walking around and I was yeah things started spinning i was getting woozy but now i've slept and i will the sleep some more and it will be good yeah <laughs> so on done. that cheery note not until next yet. year uh thank you maggie for joining us yeah. to, to talk about comic-con thank you for having me um anything you want to plug or no Oh no! Don't don't find her online. Don't please do not find me online. She's sure you're lovely, but <gasps> but she 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 likes to 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 lurk. But I I don't want to talk to. You. I don't even
1: know where Maggie is online, listeners. So <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. Um, a few show notes here though. At the end, you can find a post for the televerse, for this episode over at the dot which is the website for the podcast. You can email us at televerse at gmail You can like our page on Facebook. Start out with conversation there, or you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us in. M- in itunes with an m4a chapter feed and an mp3 on chapter feed and we're also in stitcher we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place and you can also find us on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are
1: at noel rk
0: thank you so much noel for for wrapping up comic-con with us
1: yeah no thank you for having me it was a lot of fun
0: <laughs> um we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse <laughs>